Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. It is Friday, the best day of the week. Some people's favorite day of the week is just literally the best day of the week, period. Uh, it is the tea, and today we have a good friend of mine and business partner and all around, uh, I guess I would say a mentor in some degree. You, all right. you, you help me out in many cases. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're going to be talking with Skip, uh, Kyle Skip Boudreaux. He goes by Skip in the office. Um, and probably with all your friend group, most part. So uh, we're going to be talking with him about the Acadiana Angels. He is the director of that group and kind of what they do. They they help startups uh, with investments and getting people connected with, you know, different groups. And we're, we'll talk all about that. But uh, first, I do want to make sure we get in our uh, podcast sponsor, which is the Music Academy of Acadiana. And as you heard and you will hear, hopefully, for the foreseeable future, uh, they are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, voice, drums, guitar, saxophone, uh, violin, flute, basically anything you can blow or beat on, uh, they, they can teach you. <laughs> that was not part of their script, but I'm throwing it in there because really, looking at it, you I mean, a lot of the stuff is... You know, air instruments and drums. I love it. Um, okay, so they teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college uh, to compete in major music competitions. They've even premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. Um, they're founded by University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. He And the Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the best music school uh, by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they've won multiple national awards. I mean, uh, it says they've won a, a National Music School Award back in 2014, but I'm pretty sure there's been plenty more than that. Uh, they're a great school. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And you can find them uh, at their website at musicacademyacadiana.com, and you can see that on your screen right now. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, all the other places that people are congregating now on the internet. So we really appreciate Tim and the the groups at uh, the Music Academy. So appreciate them. That's awesome. I can't carry a tune, but I would love to learn how to play the piano. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, place. I, I would love to learn how to play the piano, but uh, I don't know, man. Watching people play the piano is just something else, and especially guitar. I don't have the dexterity to play the guitar, but yeah. I can beat on some drums. Like I can make a beat. <laughs> Can't carry a beat uh, <laughs> or a tune. <laughs> All right, so today we have, like I said, we have uh, Skip Boudreaux. Uh, Skip, welcome to the tea. Yeah, I love it. Ben finally made it. Thanks. I know, right? Like <laughs> you've uh, you've been in the office to witness uh, how the tea gets put together. And in fact, I told you that I wanted to start this because obviously, hey. full disclosure, we're business partners. Yeah. And you had to explain to me what the tea was. And you're like, you know, like, spilling the tea. And yeah, I'm spilling like, the tea. I don't get it, Ben. I'm not hip. Look, you know what? Hip. I don't even know if spilling the tea is <laughs> hip anymore. Uh, I, that was uh, popular by like 2016, 2017, going into 2018. I haven't heard anybody talk about the tea anymore. I'm guessing it's still a thing. Either way, 
Uh, I like sweet tea, the drink. Yep. So it's still it's still relevant to me. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, so how's it been going? Uh, it's been going good, man. Just uh, staying busy. Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, kids are in school. Freeze happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Not a whole lot, but. Okay. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about like kind of going into uh, how you got started in the the business world. Tell me a little bit about where you come from and the background that you have. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot. Yeah, there's like a, a long story, but I'll give you the arc. And yeah. so, um, oh man, let's see. Uh, where do we start? Um, High school, like, did you have a business mind in high school? Like, no, man. Com- were you oh, computer nerd? Computer nerd, okay. nerd, computer nerd, just this analytical thinking, and so always thought I'd go into like computer science or engineering or and whatnot. So, uh, going to UL, uh, get my electrical computer engineering degree. Realize at that point I don't want to be an engineer, <laughs> but it's like we have like one semester left. We already finished our robot. But, um, like, you don't walk away from a four-year degree, so you just kind of, like, ho-hum through the last semester. So my... you got your degree for oh, yeah. computer engineering, and you don't even oh, yeah. use it. Electrical and computer, it, it hangs on the wall. All I remember is V equals IR. My it's instructors would be so ashamed for me to hear that. But, like, you haven't used it in a while. Yeah. Um, so got my degree, went across the uh, campus, and enrolled in the MBA program. Uh, I said, okay, well, maybe I want to try this business thing. So while I'm in the MBA program, my parents' neighbor, her name is Terrison Dupuy. She's an awesome entrepreneur. She started a company called Fuzzy Buns. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about Fuzzy Buns. So what, what's Fuzzy Buns? Because uh, for those who don't know. <laughs> Fuzzy Buns is a reusable, washable cloth diaper company, right? So uh, Reusable, right? <laughs> yeah, so back in the day, I think diapers were reusable, and then Huggies and Pampers and all of them came out with um, you know, a product that's disposable. Uh, but it was doing very well. I think at peak we were doing you know four million dollars a year. It's still sales. in existence, right? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Last I remember, I know. Uh, 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 so I'll kind of get to the arc where invent, and then I'll kind of tell you where they are. Right. So um, she comes over uh, to my parents' house and trying to say, you know, look, I need a, a software de- web developer. Uh, you know, what do I do? What year was this? Oh man, this is two thousand. 10? Okay. 9, 10? Okay. Not too far. Yeah, I, I need a software developer. Can Kyle do this, you know? Or uh, <clears throat> I think my mom said, oh, Kyle could probably do it. So she, she comes in and she says, hey, look, this is what I need. Um, we need to do our, our, uh, our front-facing and rear-facing platform to run this business. Can you do it? And I was like, ah, uh, you know, uh, give me like give me the uh, logins and let me kind of poke around and see. And I poked around and then... Um, I taught myself PHP and SQL over the weekend. That yeah, was like yeah, a Friday. And then Monday, I was like, yeah, absolutely, I can do this. And she said, great, you're hired. And so at the time, I was doing software development for another firm in town called EasyBiz, which okay. does like chiropractic software for chiropractors, uh, chiropractors all across the country. Um, so she hired me kind of like, you know, like Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. You know, I'd go in and, and kind of uh, build and maintain their database. Um, then at some point she had so much work that, you know, I just started working for her, um, working at easy biz, I'm sorry, fuzzy buns. And then, um, we're kind of going through the years about 2012 ish, mm-hmm. right? Um, she gets invited to go on shark tank. Now this is like 
season three of Shark yeah, Tank. Yeah, it was brand new. It, it wasn't really buzzy. They were, you know, what is Shark Tank? And I think what ended up happening is someone requested to go on Shark Tank with a cloth diaper company. And I think they did their research and found out that, like, Fuzzy Buns is the cloth diaper company. And so they cold reached out to uh, Terrison, which is a lot different now. Right? Oh, yeah, now so you have to, like, practically beg to get yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so... Uh, she went on Shark Tank, and I mean, they just they ran her through, and it, it just wasn't pretty. They, because um, you got to think it's like made for TV, right? Right. right. And they'll say stuff like, um, you know, look, uh, if they start crying, like let them cry, you know, or like ask them about their mom, you know, and like, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's just made for TV, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. they they really beat up on her, you know, and some of it just kind of wasn't really fair, but uh, she took it pretty hard, and she came back, um, and she said, look, you know what? I just need to get away, a sabbatical. Uh, Skip, you and Ashley are in charge. You're now CEO of Fuzzy Buttons. And I'm like 23 And you're time. CEO of a company yeah. that you just kind of started working for. It's crazy, yeah. So what we started doing was we started, um, <clears throat> you know, um, we had manufacturing issues. So we started trying to move them back from Turkey to China. The previous China um, issue was uh, there was like patent uh litigation going on the factory we were using was like selling them backdoor and then with a competing brand and it was just a big mess um so we started kind of working on um you know getting our manufacturing right and um getting it where the quality issues were, were in touch um but so as we're doing that shark tank airs um sales balloon right they go up but even if you don't get a deal on the show your phone blows up afterwards, and um, yeah, because you probably have other investors who are like, "Hey, I, this is the shark's loss. I kind of want in yeah, on this." Yeah, that's exactly it. And so it's like, "Hey, we're so and so with Boston, whatever investment group." Uh, we saw you in Shark Tank. Are you still looking for money? And at the time, we were like, "You know, yeah, heck yeah, we're looking for money." <laughs> um, and so then I started. Um, you know, I was on the sell side, and um, they're like, "Okay, well, we need to do our due diligence," and I had to literally Google what due diligence was. Um, and so they sent us a list of everything that we need and working on the sell side. And eventually they ended up selling to some uh, local investors. Yeah. Um, whenever it sold to these local investors, I kind of stayed on for a little bit to help them. But I was bit by the bug, right? Like the whole investing bug, like that's it. That's what I want to do. So what I did was I called the largest investment firm in town that I knew. And it was Aaron's Investment Partners. And I called him up. I said, Mr. Aarons, uh, you don't know me. <laughs> My name is Skip Boudreau, but I want to come work for you. But you didn't even have experience in this, right? No, no, no. But, uh, I mean, so I've been I've been around the stock market and, it, like, learning how to invest since I was, like, a kid. Okay. Like, I have vivid memories of, like, you know, we're a kid. My dad, like, this is back when the, uh, the quotes were in the newspaper, like, every Sunday. Uh, you know, my dad would kind of pull aside, open up the business section. They have the quotes, and you know, he look. We look at the share price, and we look at how many. And this all is mu- in the newspaper. Yeah, and oh these were they were all mutual funds at the time. So okay. like, okay, this is what we have for Janice, and you know, this <clears> is for your sister's wedding, you know, and this is for such and such. So like, we were very transparent and open with like money growing up, and you know, I was aware of like how investing works, and um, you know, I was investing in my own personal account around then too. And how old were you whenever you, you got started in investing? Oh, I mean, man. you said as a kid. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember. I remember we were in Baton Rouge, uh, so that's probably sixth, seventh, eighth grade-ish. What's, what's interesting is I don't. most people don't have someone in the family or 
maybe they have interest in the stock market, uh-huh. but there's zero support or zero education to go along with that, especially yeah. as a kid. Like, it's just, it's, I think it's different for someone like you because you're, it's an anomaly yeah. that you were even interested and had the ability to get. Yeah, but I mean, like, you could say that about anything, right? You say right. that, like, it's, a, you know, a lot of kids may have uh, the want to get into computer programming. Yeah. But they didn't have, you know, someone. I mean, my dad was a police officer. Okay. You know what I mean? And my, my mom was a, a attorney. And so it's not like any of them were really. Yeah. <laughs> but my dad was like a, a like the uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, envelope system. Oh, and, yeah. Um, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they just they just took it as a point to be open about. Yeah. Now it's easier to get investing. Oh, yeah. It's so gotta, easy. <laughs> you do it. The problem now is you have information overload. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that the stock market is manipulated so bad. I mean, we've seen that just in January and still going on with GameStop. Yeah. I mean. GameStop is not worth anything that the stock market is showing, well, but it's, it's worth what people buy it for. Bro. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But fundamentally, sure. it's not worth what sure. I think it's trading at like 250, 300 yesterday. Yeah, what's that's a, a 40 million, 40 billion dollar market cap. Yeah, like that's a retail store, like a physical retail store. Like it's it's a dying dinosaur. It's yeah. Well, I mean, they, but it's alive now. Trying like, to turn around. I know. You know? It's but the retail investors. It's just interesting. Um, what do you make of that at all? Oh, I think that so GameStop is just a case of some hedge funds got caught with their hand in the cookie <laughs> jar. You know what I mean? Like they got their hand in the cookie jar, and then retail investors say, "Hey, these guys like we can pick their pockets yeah. while their hands are stuck in the cookie jar." They're going, "No, stop, don't!" Like it's just that's the that's capitalism at play. Yeah, and you it's know, crazy. You take that... risky bets, you're gonna get waylaid. Yeah, and it's just crazy that the internet's changed. The conversation about stocks and like everybody, even people that were even slightly remotely interested in investing, mm-hmm. now have the easiest access to investing mm-hmm. with Robinhood and Webull apps. Yeah. Like you literally, whatever the stock price is that you want, you just literally deposit that money, and that's what you have. I mean that. So that's actually kind of a good uh, example of uh, disruptive energy uh, uh, industries, disruptive companies. So. It, before Robinhood, man, it used to cost money to buy. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to like, I think like it would need expensive. like at least two or three thousand dollars oh, capital. Yeah. And then you know, I think like Fidelity might have been one of the cheapest at the time, and it was seven dollars to, 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 to trade. To trade yeah. And so when you think about it, if you if you're young and you're, you want to put away, you put away a hundred dollars. Well, you, you take a seven percent hit right off the bat, right? Because that transaction costs. Um, and then not that there aren't any transaction costs to the brokers, they just found a way to shift their model to where other people pay for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they pay for it using the data. Oh yeah. You're, you're, if it's free, you're, you're the product. Yep. Essentially. That's yeah. That's it. So, um, so you're, you're the CEO of Fuzzy Buns yep. and you, you called Aaron's, uh, investment partners and what happened after that? Uh, Spoke with Andrew, and uh, like I said, you don't know me. I want to come work for you. He said, okay, uh, come on in. So I met with him, and he said, uh, uh, well, if you could pass the test, you got a job. <laughs> you know, What was that, like multiplication? <laughs> no, no, no. The test, like there's a the securities exam. Okay, securities exam. Oh, a legit test. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I uh, studied in this office right next to two down. Uh, for probably about three weeks or four weeks, 
<laughs> week three, I went uh, on my bachelor party because I was getting married. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, no learning on that week. No, that. Uh, we uh, passed the test. And then, uh, you know, I came in and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to analyze port, uh, portfolio, analyze companies, build portfolios. You know, I'm ready to manage money. And then, you know, Andrew's like, okay, go get some money to manage. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I knew that was part of it. And he was open about discussing it. But just my analytical engineer mind, you know, uh, wasn't really built uh, to go out and, and, and gather assets, you yeah. know, and uh, you have to be good at both. Right now, if you're good at just gathering assets, but you're a terrible investor, you're not going to hold on to them for a long time. Um, and so, uh, luckily, Andrew's good at both, right? And um, so, uh, his business is doing well, generates money, and so he likes to invest in other businesses uh, outside of the stock market. But he does it, you know, personally, and like more locally. Yeah, owned businesses. Uh, he's he's big into like investing in local companies, giving back to the community. I mean, he even does like. With his lodge, like the what's it like the Catch a Dream, where they'd have kids with like terminal cancers come and just hang out and like, like a Make a Wish, Make a Wish Foundation yeah. and like assisting by all that. But um, that's what he does. But the the problem became is uh, it was getting almost so big. He was deploying so much capital that like he still has to do his day job. And so at that point, he kind of brought me in under his wing. <clears throat> and said, uh, like, I want you to run my, my venture deals, my alternative asset deals. Um, and that was, oh, man, that was probably 2015-ish, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so that's what we started doing. And then uh, <clears throat> we just started looking for opportunities. Uh, you were working at golfballs.com yes, around 2016, 2017. Yeah. Um, and this is another one where, like, we saw Developing Lafayette was something good, doing something real good. If you remember, I approached you and I was like, Ben, what do you want to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get paid. <laughs> that's, that's... No, but you, I, I remember exactly what you said. You said, I want to yeah. uh, I want to do what I'm doing now, going out, taking pictures of companies, yeah. uh, writing about new business, but I want to do it in a way where I can feed my family. Yeah, indeed. That's, and that's ultimately what happened. Yeah. And so we just kind of sat down and said, okay, well, let's... It wasn't even like it wasn't even you didn't even have an LLC around it. It was just you doing it from a Facebook page, and yeah. so um, we uh, we kind of built it together, partnered it, um, built a business model around it. Um, you know, because it's it's the media business, and um, you know there were a lot of companies uh, that like helped us getting started because it's a tough grind media yeah. business. Oh, yeah. Right, whenever Facebook and Google were taking all the ad revenue. Um, we relied on like partnerships and people who wanted to be a part of the community. Um, so like Bradley Morrow was mm -hmm. one of the yep. first ones that helped us out, really propped us up at the beginning, uh, Gleason group. And then now you have, um, oh man, like Cox. The yeah. Cox, the music Cox Academy, huge. uh, music Academy, well, Iberia bank, uh, Advantial, Chase, uh, Chase group construct construction. There's, there's, there, we're there's missing several. some Kibberia, the new yeah. uh, Connecticut, yeah. uh, based company that expanded right. here. they, they partnered with But us. that's one of the cool things of like starting, having developing Lafayette be so local and it's uh, only positive news, then you have people who want to give back to the community giving back. And so yeah. like even like like Cox, if anyone uh, out there sees Louis Lemoyne, just tell him thank you for all he does for yeah. the entrepreneur committee. Uh, uh, no, uh, Cox does a lot. Oh, what? For There's, the local businesses. Uh, local businesses, uh, the OM. Uh, the entrepreneurial community, the startup community, like 
they are local. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, like, I get it. They're a big they're, national company, but yeah, but with like, the local office here, oh, it's incredible. Yeah, they pour so much money. I mean, and um, this is not just a plug for any no, no for no, Cox, no. Just, but they really do, and they support like a big portion of our support comes from Cox. Yeah, and you know, with the like you said, the OM and then the Accelerated Katyana, uh-huh. that's all like majority sponsored by Cox's, which yeah. is a big and it's portion just them of it. giving back. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, so we, so <laughs> now that we went on that plug, huh? I know, right? <laughs> plug. Uh, look, right. we appreciate you guys watching that you are tuning in. Uh, we're going to get to the Acadiana Angels. We're working there. So stick with us. Oh yeah. Sorry. Okay. All right. So here's the arc. Um, all right. Where were we? Okay. So, uh, developing Lafayette, I'm running Andrew's portfolio. Um, he's investing in a lot of local businesses. Um, and then whenever Andrew brought me on full time, we now have the bandwidth to go and look for more businesses rather than them kind of coming in. And so I'm looking and I find this uh, group out of New Orleans called uh, the New Orleans Angel Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go to Andrew and say, Andrew, look, if we want deal flow. These guys have deal flow uh, and they're you know, out of New Orleans. And he said, all right, well, let's, let's set up something. So we reach out to um, Nolan and they say, hey, look, if you guys are interested in Angel Networks, there's one starting up in Lafayette uh, you need to connect with Alan Bear, Rick Fontova, Jess Fight, Pete Prados. Uh, and you need to hook up with those guys because they're starting one. Um, and so uh, we kind of got together. I came in as Andrew's representative. Uh, we started the Angels underneath the wing of New Orleans Angels, right? So um, we would get their deal flow. They would kind of work the deals. We'd learn how it works. Um and then, uh, you know, kind of go from there. After about a year or so, like, we kind of had our feet under us. I think we might have had probably, I don't know, 20-something members by that point. <clears throat> we kind of broke off on our own. Um, the CFA was a big help in that one, too, because we'd all we'd meet at the Community Foundation. That's where it was kind of housed. Um, and then uh, Waiter came, right? Mm-hmm. And then whenever Waiter came, we had access. It was like the first time not the first time, but one of the first times that Lafayette general investors or credit investors had access to one of these like high flying tech startups, you know, uh, and it just, uh, that didn't come along before. And so we were able to reach out to other people and say, Hey, come join the angels. We have access to, uh, this waiter deal. And by the time everyone's ordering waiter and kind of figuring out about it. Um, and so that ballooned our numbers up to, you know, what, 35 or so. Um, so once we did that, uh, you know, now we have some momentum, uh, we deployed a bunch of capital and, uh, you know, we continued on with the angels. So the angels meet once a month, a month, uh, we see two companies a month, kind of shark tank pitch style, except we don't like it when you cry, right? <laughs> it's not made for TV. We're really trying to help small businesses, uh, startup companies, companies that can achieve scale. Um, we give preference if you're from Louisiana, right? Lafayette. Um, but a lot of the companies that we look at, um, just because the opportunities out there, you know, aren't, you know, um, and so there are angel networks across the U S that we syndicate through. So here's the idea of like, like economic, like stimulus kind of thing. Right. So if we're investing our dollars into a company out and let's say we just did a deal in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, right. It's our money out of here going to Phoenix, Arizona. And if they do great, we may get some more money back and it comes in. But 
generally that money goes there, they hire employees and it more helps their economy. But because we're networked, right? And because we're sending out, they can send in. So whenever we have a company that's local here and we go to syndicate it out, we say, okay, look, they're raising, you know, $750,000. We have 250,000 in and we can shop them around to other groups. Now, those dollars from Phoenix and North Carolina and Minnesota and Colorado come into our economy. And even if the company doesn't succeed, let's just say worst case, it blows up. Well, those dollars paid salaries and mm-hmm. had jobs for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those those people who were hired learned some really good skills in startups and entrepreneurship and tech or, or whatever that even fails, they can do another one. And that investment was in our community. Does that right. make sense? What's crazy, and you know, talking about Shark Tank style pitches and everything, I feel like um, ever since Shark Tank aired and as it began, as it gained in popularity, all of a sudden you had all of these people who decided, I think I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think I want to start a company, and some of them were great ideas, especially mm-hmm. if you watch Shark Tank's history. Some of them were not so great ideas. There's even a word that goes along with entrepreneur. It's kind of the opposite. It's a wantrepreneur. Yeah. Or, and yeah. Or, or what was, was it? Entrepreneur, isn't it? Uh, manure. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm gonna check with CN about that one. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one. But entrepreneur. Mark yeah. Cuban's said it a couple times. Um, how many times do you run across people who are entrepreneurs who think that they're an entrepreneur, but they really just are not cut out for it. I mean, not to say that you have, yeah. but well, I, so what we like to do is if, if you're taking the steps to, to try to start a business that you, like you are an entrepreneur. Okay. Gotcha. Right. In my, in my eyes, but I mean, I don't, I don't make the golden rule of how do you define right, it. Right? right. But there are some times where, uh, maybe they're not equipped to, correctly right they don't have uh the right tools to do the, they just need the a mentor they type. need uh uh they need to go to a place like the opportunity machine mm-hmm. or they need to be given frameworks like business model canvas or they need uh to like talk to someone about how it goes but i mean the the reality is a lot of these ideas just don't work right um because it's tough to build a business model around something or it's tough to get a large enough market or um I remember we did a fishing uh, invention about uh, 2014-ish, right? Is do you remember? The I tang- think I remember you telling me. Yeah, something it's the about tangler. It, yeah. Like it was, uh, we thought it was brilliant. Um, uh, one of our partners' um, grandfather had trouble tying a line, and so we said, "Well, look, if you could put something in and spin it and then snap," and we made it. We uh, uh, we used a uh, InventureWorks. It's not my InventureWorks. Works is Pete and I. We used a, a local company um, here, and we three D printed it. Worked. It was awesome, right? Um, what happened? I mean, or so it... so. This is what I'm getting to. We go out and we start looking at quotes to get it uh, manufactured, manufactured, injection mold and whatnot. It was more expensive to produce That's than a... we can sell it for. Ah. Doesn't mean it wasn't a good product. It was just because of the way we designed it. What was the sell? What was the MSRP on it? Like, what was the? We were looking at selling it for like. Three ninety nine a yeah. piece. That's kind of what our market studies told us, but the the overhead to do it because it was a, um, so you can like injection mold, mm-hmm. but sometimes they have these actions. So like you close the mold and then you like stick in different pieces because you have different nooks and crannies and grooves. Then they inject it and then it comes out. 
which was fine. I think that piece made more sense. But then you take it out and you had to like hand put the hook on each piece and then press the um, okay the the universal hook on the end of it. So it was a little that more labor, labor. Yeah. right? And then we talked to uh, like Missy Rogers and them at Noble, who are awesome at this, like automation, incredible. Um, robots have a cost too, right? Because there's like upkeep, <laughs> and every time that a robot's running doing our tangler, that's time a robot you could know be doing something else. could be doing something yeah. else that's more profitable. So robots have a have a price. Um, I mean, they are cheaper than human labor. Sure. But, like you said, the maintenance and then the electricity to run them. It, yeah. There's, there's uses. Oh, and a huge overhead cost. You have to you have to cover your overhead cost of, like, uh, like the initial cost of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, robot, robot ain't cheap. No. <laughs> no. Um, where were we? <laughs> so, so, the manufacturing process. Um, oh, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. So, getting to that and ultimately what happened with the product and it sounded like it didn't it didn't pan out. Yeah. Oh, the Tangler? Oh yeah, no, so we just killed it. Just just like that. Killed so it. So a good on. product. Oh yeah. We filed patent, uh, we did the patent drawings, we got uh, action back from the patent office once we already killed it. And then we were like, oof. I mean should we like finish the filing? But then it was another five grand. But at the point at that point, it wasn't commercially viable. So why would you put good money after bad? You kill it, move on to the next one, and so, don't think about it again. So, if somebody were to, so somebody's listening, okay, and they have an idea, mm-hmm. and if it is as useful and as good as the Tangler was, uh-huh. like, what is a person to think about that story and it being a good idea, but the the pricing didn't work. Versus manufacturing and all that. Like, if they, if somebody has a good idea, what is supposed to give that person enough um, hope that yeah. their product will turn into something? Yeah. So the, I'm gonna go on a tangent, and some people may have heard this before. Um, but like, all right. So back in the day, in like general product venture capital kind of side of it, like the risk was like, can we make it? Right. Like, can we put all these transistors on a silicon wafer? Like, is that technically feasible? Right. And then on the biotech side, like, can we create this new um, uh, drug? Right. That cures Ewing sarcoma or whatever. Like, can we do it? That's the technical risk. Um, And then even on the uh, software tech side, it was so expensive to get started and like try things because you had to build a room of server racks and then you have to have a guy who knows how to set up a server and you gotta have wires, you gotta have electricity and all that. Now that we have like AWS, Azure, like the cost to get to product market fit is like small, yeah. right? You, you could pretty much bootstrap. And then you also have like these low code, no code options where you can, you don't really have to have a lot of coding knowledge to, to build it up. And so now the risk is market risk, right? We say like, well, the dogs eat the dog food, right? <laughs> so like, yeah, uh, of course we can build a platform that lets a stranger sleep in your spare bedroom. Talk about like, Airbnb. Yeah, but that, would yeah. you want to, right? right? So like, would the market accept that? Yeah, of course we could build a platform that lets, um, you know, a stranger come pick you up in their car and drive you to work. But like, are people going to be comfortable with that? And so the risk to those companies and a lot of these companies isn't really um, the technical aspect of it. I say that there are a lot of like um, like material sciences and biotech and like 
like cutting leading edge stuff as well, where that's totally the case. But for the most consumer driven types of products, it's more of like, will the consumer buy it? And so to answer your question of like, if you have an idea, the first thing you should do is try to figure out if you can sell it. Generate some minimal viable product and sell so it. So we're like door knocking? Door knocking. Um, so here's a good example. Say you want to sell a widget, right? Uh, a, a device, a mug, whatever. Um, what you can do that's cheap, you can set up a website. You can um, describe, do some mock-ups of your image and your mug and talk about how it's the best at drinking, <laughs> you know, coffee and it, you know, it stays warm for a while, whatever. And then you just have this buy now button. And then the buy now button, whenever they click buy now, it had the price, goes up, add to cart. Once it goes to add to cart, have a message say, sorry, we're out of stock, right? But uh, we'll notify you when we get back into when we get back into stock. So what you do is you force the customers to go through that purchasing journey. Okay. Right? And so now what you do is you advertise the same way you would advertise whenever you run the business. So you take uh, 500 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever you have, run it through Facebook ads, run it through Google ads, right? And see how many people you can get to go through that journey and click buy. Does that so make sense? basically work, work to see if, they, if it converts. Yeah, work to see if people will, if the dogs will eat the dog food. Yeah. And so if you put 500 bucks in there and only one person buys and it's you say, shoot, I can't <laughs> sell this mug for more than 500 bucks, you're in trouble. Right. Um, but if you put up 500 bucks and um, 500, uh, 50 people uh, buy, then you know, okay, well, I have to price it above 10 bucks minimum because that's your cost of acquisition. And so you do that without even building out the mug. You know what I mean? Like I, I, we could have done that without even building out the Tangler. Yeah. You just see if people will buy it. Problem also with the Tangler is it was it was <laughs> new and there was an educating uh, piece oh, of it. I feel like with anything new, especially I have to new educate products, you on always what a mug the is. education yeah. part of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people who have good ideas, uh, even with developing Lafayette, um, with sponsors and advertisers, it was an education battle. Yeah. Like, why why throw us your marketing money or ad dollars when you can easily go to Facebook, mm -hmm. spend five bucks here and there when we're clearly not as cheap as Facebook, but why give us your money? Right. And it was an education battle. Like, yeah. okay, this is why. Because we are hyper-local. We are connected to the community. We are only good news. Yeah, I mean, we it took a lot and it's still taking. There's still yeah. a lot of uphill climbing right now. Yeah. Is this our second developing Lafayette plug? Probably. How so. many more you think Look, we, could we are developing Lafayette? <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Okay. So, so back to the Canadian Angels. Uh -huh. You guys help local businesses a, a good bit. Some from far off, and then they bring money here. Um, so somebody, let's say somebody's watching, and they they want to get in in touch with you guys mm -hmm. is there something that you allow is there a way for people to get in touch with you yes yeah absolutely so um i'll kind of maybe run you through like our campaign and then kind of how this has worked so right now we are running a campaign uh through uh right angle another great local company yeah. and they're they're sponsoring the angels and, and uh cheryl's awesome doing this um and they give us a lot of uh marketing they, i mean look, it's <laughs> wonderful on. Uh, and so our campaign now yeah. is how do we get more uh, investors off the sidelines yeah. and investing into these businesses, right? 
And not only that, how do we get uh, a more diverse set of investors off the sidelines and, and investing in these businesses? You know, like how do we get women and minorities? Um, so you're talking about people, women and minorities, you're, you're, that's some of your targets to, mm-hmm. for looking for investors, like investors no, no, no. in those groups? People, like women and minority investors yep. um, with money to yep. invest. That's and so, yeah. But it, it flows both ways, right? So because Acadian Angels is a group, Right, you have twenty uh, something members who, uh, when a company pitches, we all get to talk and kind of get a feel. Right, so if there's a there's a product for a cardiac assist device, well, we have uh, a heart doctor, you know, and so we could turn, we could say, you know, what do you think? And if it's a uh, oil and gas related thing, well, we have some oil and gas people. Um, the the whenever we finally finally clicked that we needed to diversify our, our investor base is we had this company uh, out of New Orleans we eventually invested in called Pet Crew. And they were awesome, right? So they do pet costumes. Okay. And so I, we go to them, I go, okay, all right, uh, we're, we're looking at this company that does pet costumes. Uh, is this women owned? Yeah, it's women okay. owned. Uh, pet costumes. And then uh, the group was just like, pet costumes, that's silly. Who's gonna dress up their pet? And right. Like, Whoa, whoa, <laughs> go home. Talk to your wives, talk to your grandkids, ask them what they think about the pet costume industry, and then come back. And then, you know, they all came back and they're like, this is a huge market. I'm like, I know if we had more diverse investors, uh, we would see that. And then that would allow us to invest in more diverse uh, founders, right? And, and then this is where the cool part comes in. It's like, like yeah, it's good, uh, like morally good, right? right but right. also like numbers and cents. Women and minority-owned businesses have a higher ROI than uh, white males. Like, like <laughs> you can make more money by being more inclusive yeah. and diversifying your uh, your uh, investor base and your. Uh, what portfolios. a wild idea, right? Oh, it's incredible <laughs> because, like, there are if you think about it, right? So, a lot of these investors are, are older, whiter men, yeah. right? And so, oh, yeah. uh, people like to invest in what they know, and they say. Um, oh, well, that's a good market. Oh, I understand that. Golf, that's a great market. Right. You know, and, and not that it's not, but the returns come from um, investing in things that people don't think would. There's a, there's a, a, a think of like a, a, a four way graph, right? And mm-hmm. so, like on one axis, you have consensus and not consensus. And on one end, you have um, right and wrong. Right, so when you place your bet in the companies, well, if it's consensus and you're wrong, you're wrong. You lose money. If it's not uh, unconsensus or not consensus uh, that it's a good market or good opportunity, and you're wrong, well, you lose money either way. So if it's wrong, you lose away. But if it's consensus, if everyone says this is a great market, right, and so all the money's pouring into the great market, and you're right, you're not going to have outsized returns because that market's going to be driven up, and um, it's just going to be priced as, as in. So you want to be in non-consensus and you want to be right. And so the only way to do that is to invest in non-consensus things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm following. And so the idea is if you have uh, a diverse investor set who's saying like, no, this is a great market and people aren't looking at it, that's non-consensus. And if you get them right, you have more outsized returns. And that's like the, the inside baseball of why the statistics show that investing in women and minorities uh, – produce higher returns yeah 
That's so wild to ha- to to you know to, to put it that way because it's true. Like, you know, white, just white people in general make up like probably what is it a three fourths of the population or mm, close to it? Probably less. You think? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, much less. Someone's gonna check us, but gotta yeah, be like forty percent, thirty. But, yeah, but like okay, for example, black minorities. Uh-huh. Okay, they make up what thirteen. 14% of the population? You, you tested my statistics knowledge and I don't know. I, I've heard, I've like over the past year, I've seen different statistics uh-huh. and I believe the population, the black community, it makes up like maybe 13, 14% okay. of the population uh-huh. as a whole. Right. That's a, it's a small uh, percent. Yeah, but take that over a huge global economic right. machine. That's a huge right. market. What I'm getting at is with the white population being so large, and the focus, a lot of it being on white businesses, white, you know, own yeah. stuff. Not to, not to say that, that that's that's a obvious focus. Like the white people are all only picking white businesses. Mm-hmm. That's the largest population, so it's it's easier to, to see most of that. Yeah, but I'll, I'll take it even further, right? So the idea is that a lot of the investment dollars mm-hmm. are going disproportionately to white founders. And male founders. Okay. Dispropor- so like, uh, let's say uh, 50% women, 50% men. Yeah. You have almost like 70 to 80% of investment dollars go to men. Okay. You see what I mean? It's 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 not about the percentage of uh, the population. It's about the how it's disproportionate. Yeah. And so if you look at that from a, from like a capitalism, like arbitrage standpoint, you say, oh, look, there's a market here that doesn't have much investment in it. Right, that uh, we can be, uh, you know, um, non-consensus with. That's a large market. Uh, we need to start investing in these founders. Yeah, I guess what I was getting at though is you take the large population of the white population mm-hmm. that actually starts being intentionally inclusive and being, you know, more for minorities and diversity, and you take that population and you 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 start plugging it into the smaller population, obviously that smaller population is less tapped than the larger population. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I was going. Yeah. And so, yeah, it makes sense. But it doesn't, like, here's the thing, like, it doesn't have to, like, even if you don't buy into, like, the feel-good part of it. Right, right. You make more money. It's capitalism. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, capitalism's gonna gonna right this ship at some point whenever people realize um, that we can better allocate capital than, than what we're doing. Um, okay. So that's our drive, right? Yes. So we're trying to do that. Um, what are we all? We're also uh, we also have sponsors for Cadiana Angels, right? So we have local businesses. Jones Walker recently just signed on as one of our first uh, sponsors uh, to come in and help support the the local entrepreneur ecosystem. Like I said, Right Angle as well, um, and that's that's what we're looking for. Okay. So um, I ha- I have your well, actually we have a comment. So somebody said. Would love to have you speak at my Rotary Club Lafayette North. Oh, okay, All Lauren. Right. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I have your... I spoke at Kiwanis a couple of weeks ago. All right, I want to show people your the Acadian Angels website. So let me pull that up on the screen here. All right. I'm watching, so the video is delayed here. It is and delayed, yes. Boy, do I talk with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. Wow. <laughs> All right, That's so we, we have the website pulled up. Um, it's Acadian Angels. Dot, uh, yeah, Acadian Angels. Dot com. Uh, 
Oh yeah, so on there you can you can select if you want if you have an idea or a, a company, um, you know you can submit that uh, and we'll run through it. Uh, if you want to join as investor, you can just request more information there as well. Yeah, I see you have a spot where you yeah. learn more about the process of being an entrepreneur, yeah. an investor, uh, and submitting uh, raising capital for your startup. So, and so uh, I will say though too is that like you you want to be ready for investment whenever you come to the angels. Um, it doesn't mean we won't talk to you, right? So even if you say, oh, I have this idea or whatnot, we'll listen to you and then we'll likely point you somewhere where, like I said, where you have the right tools. Um, we'll likely point you to the opportunity machine. Yeah. You know, so Destin and Catherine and Jill. I mean, that's probably a good place to start for oh, anybody who's just starting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so that, that entrepreneur kind of piece of it too, they're very good at, um, <laughs> they're very good at, uh, uh, like helping you through this because whenever you go to the opportunity machine, the first thing Destin's gonna do is give you homework. Okay, like what kind of homework? Uh, you have this idea for your business. I'm gonna show you what the business model canvas is, kind of model how your business will work. Here's the homework, your resources. If you're not gonna do that small amount of homework, then you probably don't have what it takes. Yeah, you to, have to want it. Yeah, because you know, starting a business, entrepreneurship's hard. You know this. Yeah, like there I are do. times like during COVID, like we're rubbing two pennies together here at DL, you know? And yeah. like, y- you got to be willing to make the sacrifices because it's got to be something that you really, really want to do. Um, and the idea that, you know, I'm going to have this idea and sell it, like that's just not where the value is. Right. And so, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that we have a few people watching, like I've, I've been kind of hinting at this, that, that are probably curious about starting a company or have they have an idea i mean like like skip said it is being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart Mm -hmm. it's it's glamorous on shark tank oh yeah all these people they're 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 big companies now they got the investment from the sharks and what you don't see is the times where you want to quit the times where you you failed at something or and you, but you only see the successes, the, oh, yeah. the only the good parts. Yeah, they're, they're, you don't see the five companies that went into the ground before that they learned something from and were able to take it. Yeah, like Tangler, shoot it, kill it. Now you know we learned a lot from it. Let's move on to the next yeah. one. But you don't see that. You just see the tip of the iceberg, all the glamorous, fun stuff. Right. It's like it's like whenever you uh, yeah, like the tip of the iceberg is yeah. is basically saying look at somebody from where, where they started and then you look at the last picture of where they are now you don't look at the, the you don't see the journey the uh, basically it's like the stock market there's ups and downs and there's sometimes really dark pitfalls and then all of a sudden you come out of this hole yep. and that you know and like like you mentioned DL has has had its its yeah. rocky moments but we we stuck with it because we're doing something good for the community um, this is something we really believe about and uh, you know at the end of the day we always have the back you know and so um, yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's something that you really got to be prepared for and really want. And so by weeding about <laughs> with the, the homework is a good way of like having people self-select. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you make of people who want to get, so I know this is kind of something I think you can talk about. So let's say there's people watching and they want to learn how to, or they want to get into investing into small companies but they don't have the knowledge or, or the capital. Like, what are some of the initial things that somebody who's interested in investing needs to know? 
Okay, so there's one thing that I failed to mention, which I probably should now, is the current, um, if you currently want to invest in uh, non-public companies, um, let's put crowdfunding aside because that is your option. You generally have to be an accredited investor, right? And so accredited investor um, is a rule that the SEC put out um, where you have to have at least a million dollars of net worth, excluding your home, um, or make 200000 a year for the past three years or 300000 if you're married, right? Um, the reason behind, and check those numbers, but the reason behind it is um, what they don't want is unscrupulous people pitching opportunities to, you know, uh, your grandmother, you okay. know, and, and have her lose all her savings on some, some shyster, right? And so the, the SEC said, well, we're going to protect these people, um, but there's no way that we can really tell if like they really understand an investment and if they're really knowledgeable about the risks. So they said, well, you know what we'll do? We'll just draw a line in the sand and say, if you're richer than this, you could afford to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, that's how I imagine it. So what they did was that they, they realized back in, oh, when was the Jobs Act? 2016? Yeah. That sounds right. No. That was Obama. 12? I don't know. The Jobs Act came along. And um, they said, oh, well, shoot, we inadvertently only gave these opportunities to the wealthy who were able to invest in it. And uh, as the stock market starts getting frothy and people start looking, uh, companies are staying public longer because they have access to capital, um, your average Joe doesn't have access to these companies. And so they said, well, you know, we can allow um, non-accredited investors invest into uh, these non-public companies through crowdsourcing uh, platforms and then we'll set like the the we'll cap how much you can invest it's either percent of your net worth or income uh, or like 2500 um i'm not an attorney i'm not a securities attorney this is not advice <laughs> but like yeah. just general um and so you have a lot of uh websites like uh angel list um i think maybe we funder there are a lot of if you type in like crowdfunding Right. And, and this is different from Kickstarter. Okay. Right? So like Kickstarter, you're crowdfunding uh, and essentially you're pre-ordering a product, but you don't own the company. So right. remember whenever it was, uh, I think it was Oculus, went through and they ran a Kickstarter and everyone backed them. They were so awesome. And then Facebook bought them for like a billion or two billion dollars. People are like, well, <laughs> well, I helped that. I Like I should get a piece. And they but, didn't even get a No, uh, you no, you were the, um, well, they, they got product. But okay. like you were a customer at that yeah, point. Yeah, you weren't yeah. an owner of the business. Kickstarter, is, it's basically uh, pre-sales, pre-sales yes. Yeah. Uh, but now you have ways that you can um, uh, raise money through uh, these crowdfunding sources. So you can be an owner of these companies um, uh, with, a, with a little bit of money and, and spread it around. Okay. Okay. It's, it, look, we could probably talk. I know we're at, uh, where are we at? I think we're at 52 minutes right now. I normally I keep this around 45 minutes. So I'm going to start to close it. Um, you, uh, you guys also invested in, uh, another company. I think you have some product on the side of your chair right oh, there. Oh yeah. You caught me. Have you heard of Cousin Cousins. Smokehouse? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I have not. Right, what so, is it? Do you so say? So I'll tell you a story about Cousins. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. it's, uh, uh, pork jerky. So it's like if Tasso and beef jerky made a baby. Okay. And it is awesome. They have, uh, two flavors. Uh, cane fire and regular. They come in sticks. 
Now look at this. I'm 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 hawking everything. I'm like a I'm like <laughs> a, a promoter for Louisiana companies. We also had twins for uh for lunch today. It's awesome. What, it's I'll delicious. Tell you what, it smells good. Um, so the cousin, the story about cousin, you want to talk about like entrepreneurship and pivoting. So cousins came out and they are, um, dropping off their jerky at stores, right? Okay. So, um, the distributorship model, um, well, for, they're dropping off their product stores. So they're going to stores, they're doing inventory, they're fronting these products and they're hitting like 250 stores a month. Yeah. That's driving right. around, putting the product, but they realize all their labor costs were in hiring someone to drive around and make sure that the stores are full of their products. So they said, well, maybe we can make some money. Like if we did this for like a non-competing brand, what if we had like a hot sauce? And so then they drive around and now they're delivering two products for the same cost. And they said, well, why don't we just add on some more products? And then they start adding on more products and they're driving around. And then at some point they go, we're a food distribution company. We are no longer a jerky company. And so that's where Happy City uh, kind of was born. And so if you have a, a product or um, uh, like I know uh, we did a thing on um, Leonard's uh, Carolina sauce, yeah. right? So like you could drive around and, and get those. Uh, Syrup. Uh, have you seen Syrup? Oh, you don't drink. I don't drink, no. But they make like this awesome old-fashioned syrup. Um but anyway, they drive around now, hit 300 stores. So that was one of the local companies that we figure we can help a local company yeah. that's a shipping company. And that company helps other smaller companies who ordinarily wouldn't get this distribution. Um, so it's kind of like a force multiplier on our dollars to help local companies. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, okay. And then all my friends know, like, we always end up with extra always. jerky and stacks of it. And so we go camping and I joke <laughs> that we're sponsored by Cousins. Because, it's, I mean, it's easy to chew and tough to quit. Let me uh, pull up the website for Cousins right here. Oh, I love it. <clears throat> so uh, you can see, you basically just go to CousinsSmokeHouse.com. In fact, I'll, uh, I'll put the website up there. Uh, so those that are still watching, and don't worry, we're, we're coming to a close here. But uh, so <laughs> I, check feel out. Like, I feel like this whole podcast was us just like, like, um, giving shout outs to other local businesses. Look, man, but there was a there was a good bunch of tidbits of information here <laughs> that I think people watching may may have found interesting. I mean, who knows? You may have found a new investor into the Acadian Angels yeah, group. Come on, and you may we may have started uh, or, or pushed someone who has an idea mm-hmm. to go a little bit farther. Maybe they're they're interested. Yeah. So, but uh, we we talked about that already. So, cousin Smokehouse. Uh, they are a locally owned company, still, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Making sure um, on the on your website, you can see that you have traditional pork jerky. Uh, I think it's all pork jerky, correct? Mm. Most of it. Uh, it's all pork. Yeah. And clarify, we don't own any of Cousins Jerky. We own the distributing company. So I'm just we're just hawking other people's companies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We don't that's... financially benefit from this. We're just being good people. Wow. So, yeah. So you can check out Cousins there. You can, uh, I've seen Cousins at uh, the grocery store. Oh, Stein, yeah, Sean Pines. Uh, uh, Super One. I've seen Rouses. it everywhere. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, guys, check it out if you if you feel like uh, trying something new. Because most people, whenever they think of jerky, it's beef jerky. Mm-hmm. It's like the normal. It's, what is it, uh, Jack Links. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Oh, uh, God. It's like two big ones. There's like the Sasquatch. That's Jack Links. I think that's Jack Links. 
I don't There's know. something else, but I know Jacklings. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. big brand. Yeah. Um, and it's good. And I know you can go to Bucky's, you know, the travel stores. Yeah. They make their own jerky and uh-huh. it's really good. Uh, and it's all beef. Yeah. But this is, and for me, this is the only pork jerky that I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just not looking, but this is the only pork jerky that I've seen. I think I'm in the same boat. I think they do, like, some places will have, like, exotic jerkies. Um, but, yeah, man, it's it's good. Like I said, Tasso and beef jerky, yeah. if they had a baby, it's, like, the perfect explanation. You know what we do? Uh, you don't drink. That's okay. Um, <laughs> when you're making your Bloody Mary, uh, like, Bloody Mary, you know, everyone puts, yeah, like, Yeah, you put all kinds of stuff in it. So we'll do, uh, we'll throw some Cousin's Jerky on the stick in there, and then they have one, um, a flavor called Cane Fire, which has, like, a... Uh, Louisiana pepper sauce on it. Oh, wow. And then, so it's kind of like, you know, having that Tabasco yeah. flavor on there. But that one gets a little soggy, so you want to have it sit on top and kind of do a little <laughs> dip and bite. You don't want to let it sit. It's a little pro tip. Awesome. Well, look, man, look, uh, we are at a, we are o- almost an hour. Uh, I got to respect some people's time. And I think, I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I think the video feed looks a little choppy, which could be the, the internet slowing down. So, uh, I want to let you guys go. You're gonna have a good Friday. I know it. It's almost. It's you're you're halfway through. Oh no! I just ate meat on a Friday, Ben. I I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't do it. And I had a crab burger. I'm gonna have to go to confession. Did I make he, Did I make you sin? Is that oh, what happened? No. <laughs> the Catholic guilt. Man, Ben. I'm I like, didn't mean to do that. Hey, it's the other white meat. I know. Oh man. <clears throat> right. I it's not a, even white. I had a crab burger. I was doing so good. Oh. I think I think the Lord Almighty will. Forgive I'll go me. to confession. He'll be yes. fine. Just <laughs> you took one little bite. I know, but still. <laughs> oh man, I'm oh, better than that. Oh, your flesh is burning. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, that was a that was a that was a extra that was a bonus <laughs> uh, portion for you. Uh, I made I made Skip sin. I didn't make you. You did no, that on your own. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys, have a great Friday. Uh, Skip, thank you for coming on. Uh, obviously, you guys can tell that Skip and I, we, we go on tangents and have crazy conversations. Uh, it's usually fun whenever we do together. So, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you, Skip. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Ben. All right, well, you guys have a great Friday, and we'll see you on the next one. All right, bye. information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise